Krampus comes just once a year. Lock up your naughty children as he'll ho-ho-hoist them away. It's all part of the service. He wishes you a very Merry Christmas. Hi, and welcome to Dark Christmas Tales Advent Calendar. This tale is called Krampus, written by Angela Blythe and read by the author. I didn't believe in him. I cannot even say his name. I hadn't even heard of him until a couple of days ago. Perhaps I was too well behaved as a child, and that's not bragging. What I'm trying to say is, I was never threatened with him to keep me in line. I'd never heard his name whispered amongst my friends. So why would I know about him? However, not hearing or knowing about something doesn't mean that it fails to exist. There is always a first time of learning about anything. I'm not that ignorant to know I know everything. My three sons knew about it, and oh, how they feared it. They never told their mother or me. I must ask them why they felt they couldn't trust us, or ask us anything. I have, or we have, I should say, twin boys who are eight years old, and another son who is five. They're all close. The twins don't leave their brother out at all. Of course, they have different school friends, and that is where the story starts. It was December, time for caroling and snowball fights, hot chocolate and high expectations of what Father Christmas will bring. As with any sweetness, there seems to be a sour, and their sour was Krampus. There, I've named it. The twins' friends were also two other twin boys in the same class. They couldn't be more different, night and day. It was a close thing when they were younger, whether they would be sworn enemies or the best of friends. My wife, bless her, didn't want her sons mixing with such people. But I had a different approach. I thought that, throughout life, they would come across challenging people, and it was an excellent safe time at school to learn how to deal with such folk. My wife conceded after my explanation and then brought up a couple of other good points. Firstly, as twins, our boys naturally tended to make themselves isolated, but now they could celebrate their differences and similarities together. Secondly, she thought that our children's good behaviour would rub off on them, as she did feel sorry for them. Their mother had died and they lived a wild life with their father on their tumble-down, rambling farm. Everything seemed to work out fine for a couple of years. Our twins did get in slightly more trouble than they should do, but the teachers always knew the culprits and our boys were usually excused. My wife's plan of the good behaviour rubbing off on them didn't work. In fact, the other boys got worse. I don't know why that happened, and this is not the point of this story, so I won't explore that further. Only their behaviour got very bad. At nine years old, they were stealing, running a pocket money racket, and there were rumours of them hurting the feral cats that lived on their farm. In mid-December, their father stopped me while I was picking up my boys from school and asked if it was at all possible that we could have his lads for two nights just before Christmas. In return, 
my boys could stay at his house the night after. He had to go to buy some unique cattle in Wales somewhere, and it was an auction that was spread over two days. It was particularly important and would set his herd for the next couple of years, as he was after breeding stock. Of course I said yes, who wouldn't? He was a man on his own, trying to bring up his kids as well as he could, while running a home and a business. We set a date for right after school the next day, which happened to be the last day of term. I picked up the four boys and my little one from school. The farmer's twins had separate backpacks with their clothes and nightwear inside. My wife decided to treat them and that night we gave them the choice of takeaway that we were to have that evening. They chose pizza and I put my order in. I wanted to fill the car up with petrol on that day anyway, so I decided to pick it up rather than have it delivered. I got into the car and on a whim decided to drive past the boys' farm to see that all was well. I noticed the lights were on, but in this day and age that's not unusual. It's safer to leave lights on a time to deter burglars. So I picked up the petrol and the pizzas and drove home. The boys were on their best behaviour, I'm glad to say. I asked them about their unusual surname, which was Schweiger. They told me it was Austrian and their father had been born there, but had lived here since the age of three. We occupied our little one. We didn't expect that all four boys would want to play with him. It was easy enough. My wife had plenty of festive activities for him and they all spent the night happily enough. The next day was a Saturday and we decided to take them all to see Father Christmas. My wife had the idea that they might not have been taken since their mother had died. So off we went without a word to all five boys of where we were going. When we got there, the strangest thing happened. The two Schweiger boys kicked up such a stink in the shopping centre that you would have thought I was taking them to have their throats slit. There was no chance that those boys were going in the grotto. My boys wanted to, all three of them. I admit I stood outside sulkily, supervising the Schweiger boys, while my wife enjoyed watching our three see Father Christmas. That put a downer on the trip, because I kept catching them glaring at us darkly as if this had all been a conspiracy to hurt them. Of course, the twins thought we knew about him. The Krampus, I mean. I drove past their house again on the way home. I looked in my rearview mirror when I turned off the main road and up the farm road. They stared at each other with wide eyes. Then one whispered to the other who spoke up. You aren't going to take us back home because you wouldn't go and sit on some old man's knee, are you? He asked rudely. No, not at all. I'm just checking that everything's fine at your father's farm, I said. They seemed to visibly relax. Besides that, you can't go back if there's no one there to look after you, can you? I added. Oh, yeah. No, we've got to stay with you, the same twin said rudely. When I got to the farm... There was a different car outside the farmhouse, plus their father's car. Someone's there, I said. I wonder what's going on here. I slowed the car to turn onto the dirt track. No, don't go down. It's just my auntie. I don't like her. She must be looking after the farm, he said. 
I saw two boys running around the farm, holding a football. Surely you just want to say hello? I asked. No, leave it, he said angrily. I glanced in the rearview mirror. The Schweiger twins seemed to be very angry with me. I had the idea that they were lying to me. Either them or their father. One or all of them were the liars. And I was the mug. Your father's car is there too. How did he get to the auction? I asked. My wife nudged me to shut up. I knew I wouldn't get a truthful answer, but I couldn't stop myself. How should we know? The other twin snapped. I could see my boys, all three of them. My twins looked highly embarrassed. They would never dream of speaking to their father like that. My five-year-old was leaning over, staring at the other two boys, his mouth open. We got home and tried to make the best of the rest of the day. The Schwager boys calmed down. We had chicken and chips for tea and they went off to bed. They are lying to us, Karen, I said. What do you expect? We know what they're like. I blame their father. Sounds like he wanted a couple of nights free from responsibilities. He could have said that to us. We would have understood, she replied. We went to bed early-ish. Christmas preparations and looking after five boys happens to be very tiring. We could hear them talking when we went up, but we were too tired to even interfere. Their voices were muffled through the walls, but I could tell that only the Schweiger boys were talking. I quickly dropped off, so heard none of the conversations. When we got up the following morning, the two boys didn't seem very happy about going back, but the prospect of taking our two with them for just one night made them feel better. They actually admitted it to me over breakfast. They said they had enjoyed their time with us and thanked us. The nastiness of the car journey last night seemed to be in the past, so I put it to bed too. Their father came to pick his and our boys up late morning, and we didn't question him about his whereabouts or activities that weekend. He didn't ask if his boys had behaved, which I thought was common practice. Our five-year-old seemed to be coming down with something. When his mother tried to get him up that morning, he appeared exhausted. She asked him if he was ill, but he said that he was very tired and hadn't been able to sleep with the noise. We didn't know if that was true. It was a lot noisy last night, but we let him sleep. He was usually awake at 6am every morning, so there was a problem. We would have all day to spoil him and see what was wrong, as there was only us three for the next 24 hours. He woke up at 1pm coming downstairs in his pyjamas, hair cocked up at the back, eyes puffy. He seemed sad, and at first we really did think that he was coming down with something. He sat at the kitchen table. My wife prepared him some toast. He wouldn't touch it and had a tiny sip of milk. What's wrong, mate? I asked. What hurts? Nothing. I'm just tired he said in a little voice. Okay, do you want to get on the sofa under a blanket? We can watch a Christmas film together, my wife asked. He walked over to the sofa immediately 
She sat next to him and he lay on her lap. I sat in my chair and I put on a movie. He dropped off after a while. I thought we all did. When we woke up, it was dark. My wife tried to move without disturbing him, but was unsuccessful. He woke up a little more talkative. Daddy, I miss my brothers. I don't want them to die, he said. Whatever made you say that? I asked. I don't know, he said. Daddy, will the bad thing come for me if I'm naughty? He queried. What bad thing? Have you had a nightmare, mate? I asked. No, I'm just thinking about the Krampus, he whispered. Krampus? I've heard of the Clangers, I said laughing. No, the Krampus. He takes you away if you're naughty. He comes for three nights to fetch you. He's furry and has devil horns. If you're naughty, he comes instead of Father Christmas. He puts you in a basket and takes you off and eats you, he said, eyes brimming with tears. What rubbish? Who's been telling you that? I asked. The twins last night, he replied. My wife sighed. Of course, who else would it be? I said sarcastically. They were just trying to scare you. It's not true. I've never heard of the Krampus in my life. What did your brothers say? I asked him. They laughed, Daddy, he admitted. See, I said, shrugging my shoulders. There was a moment where he didn't speak. Thank God he eventually did. But they don't know everything, he finally said quietly. Go on, I encouraged. My wife gave me a weird look. This was starting to worry her. I had a strange feeling in the pit of my stomach too. When my little lad began to speak, the words tumbled out. I was getting scared, so my brothers told me I had to go to bed. I couldn't go to sleep and I heard you and mummy go to bed, but I got up again. I sat behind the door in the hall and listened because I felt left out, he said. I nodded. My brothers had gone to sleep and just them two were talking. They said that the Krampus was coming to get them, so their dad had got all their cousins to stay for the week. The auntie wasn't there. She'd just left her car there and gone away with her sister. Their father had lied to their auntie and said that the twins were there. But he was just going to give the cousins to the Krampus instead of the twins. He has to come for three nights, then he can't come again, my son said. That's what you heard? Are you sure? I asked. Yes, and the other two said that it was a pity that they hadn't got more cousins because now they would be losing their friends. So I thought they meant my brothers. But you say it isn't true, so they're okay, aren't they? He asked, his eyes large and pleading. I stood up 
whether this was true, which I highly doubted, or some other strange game they were playing. I had to get my sons. There was one thing I knew for sure. My five-year-old had never lied or invented something in his life. He didn't know how to. My wife held my little boy in her arms. She looked up at me. Get my sons off that maniac and his demon kids, she said. I nodded, picked up my keys and got into the car. I parked a little way from the farm. I wanted to see what was going on before I showed my hand. I crept up the path and looked through the window. The farmer and his two sons were sitting around their dirty kitchen table, eating plain bread and cheese in silence. His kids were wearing my kids' pyjamas. He looked up at the clock. It's time you got in the barn. You'll be here soon. I'll hide you and keep your mouth shut until I get you, no matter what you hear, the farmer said to them. My heart was beating terribly fast. They must all believe this rot. Where were the other four boys? I'd seen two of them yesterday. Yes, yesterday I'd seen two. But there had been four. Two must have gone the first night. Was he murdering them? Abusing them? It was one thing I knew. Apart from the four cousins, my two boys should be in that house too, and I couldn't see them. The farmer walked to the door and the boys got up. I hid behind an old oil drum. When they were out of sight, I ran inside and up the stairs. The first room I checked was the farmer's with its double bed. The second was the boys' room. Both beds were occupied and I flung the quilts back to find my sons, one in each bed. Their mouths, hands and feet were taped up with silver duct tape. The tape was still on the bedside table, in fact. I put my finger to my lips to ensure their silence. I began to free them, aware that this was taking a long time, aware that I was ripping the hairs off their little arms. We got to the kitchen before the farmer found us. He was so surprised and angry. I grabbed the bread knife off the table. I hoped he would just let us get away. Instead, he reached for something behind the door that I had not seen. A shotgun. I ran at him. I ran at him with the knife to protect my kids. And God help me, I stuck the knife in him, right there in front of my kids. He made a wheezing sound. I thought that I might have to stab him somewhere again, but I must have hit him in the right place and he dropped like a stone. Now I had to get my kids home. The others could stay in the barn for as long as they liked. Only it didn't work out like that. As naughty children do, the two Schweiger twins had disobeyed their father. They had heard his shout and run out of the barn. They were right outside the farmhouse door. What have you done? The bolder one screamed at me. I pushed past him. And then I saw him, the Krampus, there as large as life, and I mean perhaps eight feet tall. He strode down the track to the farm. He was dark, covered with fur, 
He had the most enormous straight horns on his head, adding to his height. Black cloven hooves, a forked tail. The worst thing was his face, demon-like, a pointed chin and a large pointed tongue, far too big to ever return inside his mouth, flicked around continuously, trying to sense its prey. On its back, it carried a massive open basket. Around its neck and body were thick chains hanging with bells. In one hand was a switch made of twigs, which it swiped through the air menacingly. The boys ran into the farmhouse and shut the door. We could hear the bells and his hoofs getting closer. We all walked backwards. I saw one of the twins look at my boys and smirk at the pyjamas they wore. They thought they were safe. My head was spinning. Everybody upstairs, I hissed. All four boys ran with me, running behind them. Of course, the Schweiger twins pushed past my boys. You and your brother grab one of them when we get upstairs, I whispered. My son blinked once, but I knew he understood. We got up there and I shut the bedroom door. At that moment, we heard the farmhouse door slam open and a roar echo through the house. I glanced over at my boy and he and his brother grabbed one of the twins who started to yell. I grabbed the other. We could hear the cloven hooves on the kitchen floor, slow, dragging and heavy. I picked up the tape. I put it around this boy's hands first, then the feet, then his mouth. I shoved him on the bed. The hooves were on the stairs now, ponderous and labouring. I could hear the chains, and it put me in mind of Marley's ghost. I taped up the other twin, pushing him down and covering him up too. But the boys and I were trapped in this small bedroom. Krampus was on the landing now. I could hear his breathing. I heard his basket scrape the walls as he turned at the top. Your pyjamas, take them off and put them on top of the beds, I said frantically. The boys did so. Luckily, there were no buttons. Get under his bed, I told them both. They both scrabbled under one of the twins' beds as I got under the other. The twins above us were bouncing and wriggling on top of the mattress, trying to escape, but they were securely bound with the tape. With two seconds to go, the door swung open, and Krampus stood, silhouetted in the light of the landing. I put my finger to my lips again. I could see my children across the small stretch of floor between us. They were both white, shaking. I have to admit that I was too. The hooves clumped slowly across the floor towards the beds. The floorboards creaked under the strain of this enormous beast. With each step, the bells jangled. I suppose in some way, the sound of the bells was merry. I saw Krampus lean over the bed that my sons were under. His tongue lolled further out and stroked the boy on top of the blankets. 
Krampus shrieked. The sound was a terrible exclamation of excitement. He had found his prey. With one cord hand, he picked the boy up and put him in the basket on his back. Krampus turned towards where I was. I knew he was licking the human above me. Krampus laughed into the night. I felt the weights released off the top of the bed as he placed the second twin in the basket. Krampus did not go out of the room. Instead, he bent his knees. Then both clawed hands touched the floor and he got down to look at us. He looked under the bed that my sons were under. His tongue drew up a little and he smiled. Good boys, he said in a voice unbelievably deep and growly. He then turned his enormous horned head to me. Well done, he said. That was a dark Christmas tale, written and read by Angela Blythe. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find out more about further stories in this series, or my other work, please go to www.angelablythe.com Thank you.